the Vietnam War and the push for US involvement was a result of the Gulf of Tonkin incident. A lie. The Iraq War famously is a result of lies. Wars in Somalia are a result of lies. The Second World War and the German invasion of Poland was a result of carefully constructed lies. That is war by media. Let us ask ourselves of the complicit media, which is the majority of the mainstream press, what is the average death count attributed to each journalist? Anton Karras, third man, uh, did the, all of the music actually. And at the top, it, and the cold opening was Julian Assange at a anti-war rally uh, in London back in 2010 or 11. I'm Randy Critical, Randy Critical Live on the Fly, Assange, Countdown to Freedom, episode 34. We are just uh, a few months away uh, from the resumption of the uh, the farce uh, of a trial, uh, trial uh, hearing, whatever you want to call it, uh, uh, of Julian Assange. Uh, and we don't even know where uh, in London. They don't know what courtroom yet, but it resumes sometime to mid-September. So we are in, in, you know, in overdrive now for the next uh, 10 weeks until that uh, transpires as much as we can possibly do. And uh, we definitely could use your help. I'll tell you about that at the end. But we're going to get right into this. Um, Kelly Lane, by the way, uh, our editor and um, our uh, engineer is in North Carolina. And um, Sarah and Emily Kunzer, who do the uh, web work, uh, they are somewhere in New York. And uh, so am I, somewhere in New York. Nobody knows where, but somewhere. Uh, so we're going to get right into this. Uh, we, we are um, going to uh, interview uh, for, for the first time in, in years for me, um, Greg Pallas, uh, an investigative journalist, written a lot of books. Uh, he's going to talk about Julian Assange, and he's going to talk about the uh, election 2016, 2020. Uh, I think you should pay attention. Uh, Greg's got a new book out. And this is the first time he has been on our Assange series. And uh, I'm very happy to have him on. We'll be right back after uh, with Craig Palace, who's out in Hollywood, uh, after uh, this uh, great tune by Neil Young. Uh, this is the season. Uh, it's called Ohio. Twin soldiers and Nixon coming. We're finally on our own. This summer I hear the drumming. Four days. Done long ago. 
Ohio. I'm uh, Randy Credico. This is Randy Credico Live on the Fly, Assange Countdown to Freedom, episode 34. And I can't believe it took 34 episodes before I got my old pal on, Greg Pallas, the investigative award-winning investigative journalist who I've known for many years. I even performed with him at a benefit in 2009 for one of his books. He's got so many out there. I worked on his book. I actually performed in your book along with Larry David. I did Henry Kissinger and a few others, George Bush. And I'm here sweating in upstate New York. I think it's because I got pulled over by the New York State Police today, but uh, they actually were quite cool. At any rate, uh, the one and only uh, Greg Pallas, uh, who's got a great new book, interesting, interesting uh, new book out. I know you're all over the map, Greg, uh, doing interviews, so I, you go ahead, show it to me. <laughs> there you show, go. Show me your Lark Pack. There, I got it too, right there, okay? Okay. <laughs> See it? <laughs> All right. So, how Trump stole 2020. All right. Yes, it's an interesting uh, concept. But you also say he stole 2016. That's uh, correct. That's, he had to practice. He had to practice. I saw <laughs> the documentary uh, that we did, um, that you did, yes. back in 2017. I, I had you on 2016, 2017, uh, and your new bride, Lenny, was in it as well. Uh, Bad Penny, I, she was on that boat going to some rich man's house. That was a great documentary, which I can't even think of what it's called right now. It's called The Best Democracy Money Can Buy. That's, in fact, there's the movie poster. <laughs> oh, there. Yeah, there it is. Best Democracy Money Can Buy with Rosario Dawson and Willie Nelson and Miss Bad Penny, now Mrs. Palace. And <laughs> it's... Um, it's about it's real undercover reporting about how they're going to steal the 2016 election. But no, you didn't believe me, Randy. You went out and bought your party dress for Hillary's inaugural. I said no. I said no, 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 no. It's whoa, 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 whoa! I was working <laughs> with Jill Stein. I went to her party that night uh, at some Mexican restaurant, and I left when I saw that Trump was winning in Pennsylvania. I said, "Oh my God, that was the worst feeling." I had had since Reagan won in 1980. You know yeah, what I mean? It really oh, was. I told you so. I the in and so the whole and Trump and how Trump stole 2020, which is just just came out. Boom. Right. Right. Wait. Wait a second. It isn't 2020 election yet? Where it's not for a couple. No. No. Of no. 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 You can't. You have to understand. In order to understand how Trump stole 2020, and I'm putting it in the past tense. And by the way, in case you're wondering, it's not like I have crystal balls. I'm, I'm, I can't project the future. He really did steal it already, 2020. But so you have it's to, over then, so I'm not going to vote and do any no, more No, 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 no. You have to unsteal he's it. He's already have, won 2020. There's no sense me doing any shows. No, he didn't. He won it, but now you can steal it back. That's the point of reading the books. You can bust the burglary. In other words, just, look, the only, if, if I thought that there oh, was no he point. stole it in advance, but we can get it back. Right, exactly. And that, in fact... At the back of the book, I'll tell you the ending. I won't give anything terrible away, but here's how it ends. It ends with something called Greg, Greg and Ted's new improved ballot condom to, for safe voting. And Ted, the reason I say Greg and Ted is that my illustrator is Ted Rall, 
Um, yeah, I saw that. He's very and good. It's a comic book, a, a 45-page, 48-page comic book um, in the middle of the yeah. book. For those is of you... Is this like... Uh, is this Marvel? Marvel? <laughs> no, it's more marvelous than DC? that. DC? Is it DC it's, Comics it's, or is it Marvel? seven-storied random house. But it's... Here's the thing. Is that... So we have a ballot condom. Now, Randy, no, no. Don't rip it out and try to wrap it around the ballot. That's not how you safely vote. The ballot condom in How Trump Sold 2020 uh, tells you, gives you practical information about how to save your vote. And by the way, I don't care if you're in, in bluish states like New York and California. No, item, there are two items there. The second item is check your registration. You know that I checked my registration here in cool California. And guess who was erased, purged, removed from the voter rolls? It said Greg Palace, no such voter. I tell you right now, go to your Secretary of State's website, check your name, well, check for Randall Credico. Because Randolph. Randolph. Yeah. Oh, Churchill. I was named after Randolph Scott. Now, wait a second. I'm in New York. Uh, well, they could purge. They did purge. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, they screwed Sanders. They did. They, they screwed Sanders. You're right. In 2016, and it's in the book, it's in How Trump. They actually screwed Bernie Sanders because it was one of the most progressive parts in Brooklyn that was purchased. That's yeah. a true story. I'm not lying to you. <laughs> I mean, I can't even do Joe Biden, really. I can't do Joe Biden's voice. I'm not excited about him. Uh, all I know is I want Trump to lose, uh, but um, you know, Look, how am I, I gonna get it up for Joe Biden? I want the voters to win. So what happened Let is- Let the voters decide, right? You lost 125,000 voters who were purged, removed, erased, disappeared from the voter rolls of New York. That was to shaft Bernie Sanders. And by the way, the right. court put on those names after the, the election, of course. That is the game. And by the way, there's a chapter in How Trump Stole 2020, even though it's about how Trump stole 2020. Uh, you know what Noam Chomsky's favorite chapter is? Noam Chomsky's favorite chapter is called California Remen. It's about how they stole California, not 16, not just 16, but this book is so, uh, actually went to the printer from my typewriter just a few weeks ago. And uh, it includes the theft of California from Bernie Sanders this year in March, 2020. They stole, are you ready for this, Randy? The Democratic corporatistas stole 553,000 votes from Bernie Sanders. I kid you not. You have to look at the math. It's so huge. It's so enormous. And, and in fact, what, what impressed Noam Chomsky said, you know, from the numbers I'm looking at, Palace, they stole more, the Democrats steal more votes than the Republicans. And no one comes close to, to Alex Padilla of California and the corporate Democrats in terms of straight up vote thievery. But that's- Does, does this include Dianne Feinstein too? Yes, she is a vote thief in chief. You have to understand that the corporate Democrats couldn't get elected in California uh, if you let everyone vote, especially Hispanics. Don't forget that Bernie Sanders was the overwhelmingly cho overwhelming choice of, of uh, you know, he, Tio Bernie was the overwhelming choice of Latinx voters here in California. They're 40% of the Democratic Party. So there's no way. You can't, corporate Democrats can't win when they're shafting a Hispanic vote. 
And uh, unless they shaft the Hispanic vote, they right. have to shaft the vote. They shaft the voters, then they have to shaft them out of their vote. It's just like the, what the Republicans do. Look, you can't be killing black people unless you take away their vote where they can do something about it. So what in Trump, how Trump stole 2020 is an expansion. He's got new tricks based on what he did in 2016. And that's very important. I'm glad you brought up 2016 because that, he didn't win 2016. In fact, um, um, wait a second, Greg, Greg. Yeah. I just got to put this in. This is Randy Critical Live on the fly. Uh, Assange Countdown to Freedom. And I, I wanted to zero in on 2016 and the election because I do have to spend some time here um, mm -hmm. because I've been going through the ringer on this whole deal. Uh, at least. With, uh, how me and Julian and, and Roger Stone, Roger Stone actually hurt Julian. Uh, by coming out and saying he was connected. He hurt me by saying I was a back channel. But, you know, there are a lot of liberals out there. A lot of your fellow travelers in Southern California in the showbiz industry, you know, uh, all of those rich people out there uh, living in the mansions that are Democrats, that are liberal, uh, who hate Julian Assange, they still are looking for a scapegoat for Hillary losing in 2016. Was it Julian Assange who was responsible? Greg Palace, tell me yes or no, so I know what to do with the rest of the show. I'm sorry, Randy, you're gonna have to buy the book because it has a chapter on, on just that. It's called Russian to Judgment. If you like really, really bad puns, Russian to Judgment. And it's about how the Russians didn't steal the election. I'd like to say that, that someone else did it. I'd like to say we didn't do it to ourselves. But we did, okay? You didn't have, okay, I was on MSDNC, you're familiar? Um, and they asked me, well, are the Russians gonna steal the elections before the election? Are the Russians gonna uh, steal the elections, hack the vote in Ohio? And I said, the Republicans are in control of Ohio. They have passwords, motive, opportunity. They know how to play this game. Do they really need someone, some pimply kid in his mommy's bedroom in Moscow helping them to win the election? No. The Republicans already know how to steal elections. No, thank you, Mr. Putin. They don't need your help. And as I point out, the accusation from the Mueller report is that uh, there was about $350,000 in ads, mainly Facebook ads, spent by Russian oligarchs. And you go, oh, well, that reaches trillions of people and, and, several and every planet reads it. Well, Randy, no, no, that's spit. Hillary Clinton spent a billion and a half dollars on ads, a billion and a half dollars. So it literally 10,000 times the ad purchase uh, from these so-called Russian oligarchs, who by the way, about half their money was spent also on promoting Trump. Uh, so, you know, it depends, I mean, on not promoting Trump, but attacking Trump, uh, promoting Black Lives Matter. What, it doesn't matter. It's- Well, I, I know there's a, lot of, there's a lot that's involved in 2016. But I know one thing that wasn't did not the Julian Assange did not give Hillary Clinton a map, a campaign map that excluded Michigan and Wisconsin. So, right. yeah, I, that's what I said. Yeah. But everyone, why oh. does everyone think that he is the guy that put Trump in? Why don't they disabuse themselves you, of that? You gave me a breaking piece of news. You mean it wasn't Julian Assange who told Hillary, whatever you do, don't. You know, uh, our uh, our don't chief go to Michigan or Wisconsin. not going to Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think so. By the way, and a very important point about my colleague 
and and I can I underline that colleague yes. Julian Assange. I'm a reporter. I report for the Guardian, investigative Rose, journalist, and investigative journalist. Julian Assange is a journalist. Okay, a very important journalist. It's like he's with a news service, WikiLeaks. That's like saying an AP reporter is not a reporter because they're part of a news service. No, what he is, he's a real reporter. You know what he isn't? He isn't a repeater. Most reporters in America are just repeaters. They take the official line and they repeat it. And so what you have with Julian Assange, okay, it's not, and by the way, I don't care if you like him, don't like him. It's not about his personality, his personal life. Forget all that stuff, okay? What this guy did is he brought us the truth. He was, he's been charged, Assange has been charged under the Espionage Act. Now here's, that's spying. Spies take, for ideological reasons or money, they take secrets and they give them to a foreign government. When you take government secrets, which are basically secrets about how they're lying to us and you make it public, that is not a violation of the Espionage Act. In fact, um, Daniel Ellsberg, was charged under the Espionage Act, but the judge, who, by the way, Judge Sporkin in that case, who used to be the CIA's general counsel, said, I was with the CIA, and I don't remember us having a, an official secrets act in the United States. We don't have that. Saudis have it, Britain has it, Russia has it, but we don't have it. There are no official secrets in the United States. If, spying is when you sell secrets to a foreign nation. Spying is not when you are a reporter revealing the truth to the American publics. We were the victims of these things. And by the way, the WikiLeaks document, I want to underscore this, could have saved the lives of the men on the Deepwater Horizon. Did you know that? I did a story. I was investigating the Deepwater Horizon explosion. It turns out- Wait a second. I don't know what Deepwater- uh... Okay, if you remember back in, in 2010, there was a giant oil rig that blew up in the Gulf of Mexico, the Deepwater Horizon. Oh, yes, yes. Yes, okay. of course. Did you know that in the e documents that Julian Assange released, the WikiLeaks documents, there were internal memos between the Bush State Department, Condoleezza Rice, and their, and their uh, this ambassador in a nation called Azerbaijan. It turns out that they had an explosion explosion on the deep water rise, uh, excuse me, an explosion on an oil well in the Caspian Sea that was identical to the oil well, the deep water horizon oil well in the Gulf. And this happened 17 months before the deep water horizon blew up, but the State Department covered it up. Now, the it didn't even tell the Interior Department about what happened in Azerbaijan, which by law they must. So what happened was, the Interior Department said, this Deepwater Horizon drilling is way too dangerous. And the BP and Exxon and, and most importantly, Chevron said, no, it's not dangerous. We've never had any problems. Now, they just knew that there was a, another oil well explosion, a, a platform blowout, identical to the one in the Gulf. They just had that. So they lied to Congress. Now, I knew that they lied because of WikiLeaks, because I got the internal documents showing that Chevron, Exxon, BP, the US State Department and the Azeri government covered up the, the, the blowout at the oil rig. They were lying and it, we only know that they're lying because of the work of Julian Assange. So thank well, you're you. You're an investigative me. journalist, uh, Greg. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, you know, I guess that was part of Cablegate then. 
I'm not an investigative journalist. Was, was, the, was that disclosure part of the cable gate? Yes, it was part of the releases. And see, unlike other reporters, I didn't just scream about Julian releasing this information. I went through it with my fellows at the, in Britain, fellow reporters, and we found this amazing document about this prior explosion. I flew to Azerbaijan to confirm it. You have to understand, what, what Julian Assange did is tell us the truth, and that's why he's facing a life in prison if they don't figure out a way to knock him off first. So this is not about Julian Assange, his person, his personality, his love life. I don't care about that. This is about charging a journalist for committing journalism. And then let me ask you this, Greg. Let me ask you this, Greg. Before I want to talk to you about this a little further, before we get back into your book, which I think is yeah. amazing. It's like 400 pages, this book. But uh, getting back to him, why? there it is. Don't worry. When this, gonna, no, this, is good. this is not live, Greg. It's going to go to editing. We're going to get a better shot of that, okay? It's raising the book up. I don't know. Yes. Well, I got it right here, but I'm looking, I'm, I'm scrolling down. Uh, it's, it's, I can't wait to read it. I have, <laughs> I have a, an advanced copy. Let me, uh, Greg, so I want to go back to Assange. Why do you think, all right, so you got the cable gate. You go mm -hmm. back and you have um, all of the uh, disclosures uh, from the Iraq, the, the, the war logs, right? And then disclosing the corruption of the DNC. That doesn't bother you, right? The disclosing. Don't you think that was the right thing to do? You have this information about the corruption of the DNC. You got Brooklyn, New York State, suppressing the, uh, the, the, the uh, Sanders turnout. And then you have Donna Brazil and Debbie Wasserman Schultz uh, suppressing Bernie from even having a fair competitive uh, equal chance to win that. Well, understand what, what the Democratic Party did. It was a crime. And that's what Julian Assange exposed in the papers and WikiLeaks was a crime. Okay, you have to understand. It is, it, what the Democratic Party did is that they did joint fundraisers. Okay, you can only, you can't give $200,000 to a candidate in America legally, an individual. Okay, you can't do it. It's against the law. So what they did, but you can give $250,000 to a party, so to a political party. So you have a quarter million dollar donation given to the DNC, which is then effectively turned over to Hillary Clinton for her campaign. That's not just, that's just not a matter of being unfair. You know, that's a felony crime. That's a violation of the, um, of the FEC criminal statute. It's a crime. And that's what he was busting. It's not a matter, and so understand, it's not a matter of trying to undermine Hillary's campaign. I don't care whose campaign it undermines. Like I say, I'm an investigative reporter. I, I'm busting in how Trump stole 2020. It's about how the Republicans are stealing this election. And they stole 16, and they're going to steal 20. But I can't let the Democrats off the hook when I have the information. And Assange did the right thing. And WikiLeaks is doing the right thing. The, it's our information. Right. It's not there. We, we should have access to it, right? We should and have all, access. Why would be why why would anyone want that information to be suppressed? Any if you're an American citizen, you're paying taxes, you live you, we have a constitution. Why would anyone who's a Democrat, whether it be Rob Reiner or any of his uh, you know, and I like him, I like his work, uh, but uh, he seems to be more liberal when he was Archie Bunker's son than he is right now. But why are these people um, like so hard on Assange 
and, and soft on James Clapper. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Well, here's yeah. what they're, they're soft on, they're hard on Assange, but they're soft on the racist vote thieves. That's the big what The issue here is race. When I say Trump stole 2020, he stole it from the voters. Which voters? The voters of color. And you have to understand, I start out the book in Georgia in 2018, and that's when Trump stole it. And how did he steal it two years ahead of any vote? The answer is they, they got a Supreme Court ruling in 18, which allowed them to use a new system of removing voters from the voter rolls. So Brian Kemp, and you could probably do a better imitation, Brian Kemp than I can. Brian <laughs> Kemp. I, I, listen, I, I haven't heard his voice lately. I'm still stuck on, uh, on Lindsey Graham being upset about Greg Pallas uh, exposing our, uh, our thing. I don't like Greg Pallas doing that. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Thank you, Lindsay. Um, uh, but I'll keep doing it. Uh, so back in 2018, this guy, Brian Kemp, he's the GOP Secretary of State, and he's running for governor. So the guy is in charge of the vote. He decides who gets to vote, where you vote, which votes get counted, and he's running for governor. Even the Washington Post, uh, not the Washington Post, even the Wall Street Journal said it was unethical. He removes a half a million voters. I get, I sue him to get his hit list because, you know, that's supposed to be public or I could have waited for Julian to release it. But instead I went to federal court, got this, the, the hit list. You actually went to federal court? I went to federal court. And by the way, I, you know how I won the case? The judge listened to my lawyers. She listened to Kemp's lawyers and said, basically the governor is lying, is lying to this federal court. And therefore there will be no trial. Greg Pallast has won, and you will pay his attorneys. How about that? Wait a second. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I hope, you, I hope they were billing you a lot of friggin' money, man. Yeah, well, I, I told him. <laughs> Crank it. Uh, but the important thing is that, yeah, we got a federal judge. So, And, and again, this is not, you don't get a lot of uh, American journalists who, who uh, bother to do this. So I got the actual hit list. When I got the hit list, I, I hired a bunch of experts to go through the list. Now, understand what they said was that people had moved. How many people had moved? Well, they had um, a half a million people moving out of Georgia in a short period of time. So one of the questions is, where are the moving vans? I didn't see any. So we went through the list with the people who know where you live. You know, who knows where you live at any moment and you can't hide from them? Right. Who? Amazon. So I went to the oh, yeah. Amazon experts. The guys who work at Amazon and eBay and American Express and Netflix and all those guys, because they know exactly where you are. They know where you were Thursday at 2 p.m. And I said, have these people moved out of Georgia? Can you help me out? And they said, well, you need special licenses. And I, so we did, went through the whole rigmarole and we went through 240 databases, back files of the post office. And we could tell you that 340,134 voters, by the way, that's a third of a million, Randy. A third wow. of a million voters were wiped out illegally, wrongly, told they had moved and they hadn't. So I go to the Atlanta voting station, and who's there? A 92, uh, there's this woman in tears. She's with this older woman. Turns out she's 92 years old. She'd been voting at the same Atlanta voting station for 50 years, and they threw her keister out, said, you are been erased from the voter rolls. Now, I went to her house afterwards, the one that they said that she moved out of, how long has she been living there? Her whole life, basically a century. 
She hadn't moved. And I said, and then I see a picture of Martin Luther King with her having dinner. I said, do you know, did you know Dr. King? And she said, he's my cousin. So she's been voting 50 years at the same polling station since the year her cousin was assassinated. May I tell you, it would be a wild guess, but you would be right if you guessed that she's African-American. You would oh, guess. Really? Really. And, and I was at the same voting station, Raheem Shabazz. You want to guess his race? Um, I'm going to guess. Give me a few hours here. Uh, Shabazz. Do you think it's Armenian? Anyway, so uh, Raheem Shabazz was denied the right to vote. So they gave him something called a provisional ballot. If you don't know what a provisional ballot is, it's like a placebo ballot. It lets you think you voted when you haven't. And they gave him a nice I voted. Uh, they gave him a little picture of a peach with an I voted uh, painted on it uh, to wear. So he got the I voted peach sticker. Uh, but he didn't vote. I mean, he voted, he got to fill out a ballot, but they didn't count it. How many ballots are not counted? Well, of provisional ballots, 2 million were cast in 16, 1 million were not counted. Because so wait a second, you tell me that Kemp did not win that election? Not even close. And Stacey Abrams, his opponent. Now, Stacey Abrams is the first black woman to ever run for governor of any American state. What is, but is, what was historic about her was not her race or her gender, it was historic. That she's the first Democrat I've ever heard who said, I won this election, but I She said not, that. She said that, but I will not be inaugurated government, governor because of these Jim Crow tricks. And she specifically cited the 340,000 people wrongly purged that we had identified. And by the way, it's not a statistical, it's name by name. So the book is filled. Oh, hey, Greg, this really bothers me because you yeah. got two Senate open Senate seats this year uh, in Georgia. This could this we really need. Look, I am not a I'm not a Democrat, but I don't want the Republican. I don't want McConnell being in control of the Senate anymore. And these two seats in Georgia, you know, we're not having a revolution here. So everyone who thinks they're pure and they're going to vote for a third party. They better get on board and know that this is a critical election, you know. So I'm going to hold my nose and 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 try to get the, you know, to keep out. I'll put the Hindenburg in before I put the Hitler in. Okay, so that's where we are right now. But I'm really concerned about Georgia, the Senate, more than I am in the presidency, uh, because he's he's stuffed in 500 federal judges that are not in the interest of the people that like Trump. You know what I mean? They're not, they're not, it, they're, they don't represent their interests. It's just amazing. So those two seats in Georgia are up for grabs. But are we going to reverse what the fuck happened in 2018? Well, I'm going to, I'll tell you this. Stacey Abrams herself is taking action, but also um, I know that they're major organizations like the ACLU, NAACP in Georgia, who are looking at our material because they're really figuring out how they can let the, here's a good idea, let the public choose the senators in Georgia, let the public choose our president in America. And I want to explain again that, and there's two seats, you're right, it, two seats up for Senate in Georgia, and those voters, that third of a million voters have not been put back on the voter rolls. But I'll tell you this, and that's not good enough. They're trying to remove another 150,000 voters. 
And I'm looking at those lists and I've looked and our experts are going through those lists. Once again, the voters are not, are guilty of voting while black. They haven't moved anywhere. Raheem Shabazz. Okay. So I, I go to their houses and by the way, it's not just Georgia. And when I say Trump stole 2020, they, Georgia was the test case where they tried the new method of removing black voters from the voter rolls. So then they took it to Wisconsin. I was in Wisconsin just before the lockdown. And I got the, the hit list from the, uh, from the state of Wisconsin. Now, the Democrats have taken over, and the Democrats literally handed me the list and said, the Republicans said, you got to purge these voters by state law. Palace, what can you do about it? So my, you'll see in the book, I actually, believe it or not, Greg Palace. What's the name of the book? How Trump Stole 2020. So what they did was, the states asked me to go through that list. Again, three out of four names are people they said have moved and they have not moved. Now I went and checked, maybe our numbers are wrong. So I went, they had one woman, Saquana Taylor. Now I know why she was on the list because she's definitely guilty of voting while black. So I asked uh, Saquana Taylor, besides being guilty of voting while black, have you moved out of Milwaukee? You shouldn't be voting in Milwaukee. It says you've moved out of Milwaukee. Uh, and she says, I don't think I've moved out of Milwaukee. I'm Milwaukee County supervisor. Oh my God. That's amazing. So no, well, do you have amazing. examples, do you have examples <laughs> everywhere. Like in Wisconsin, in Michigan, I'm sure all, there's a lot of examples of being removed from the rules. What about just uh, intimidation uh, by poll watchers and other uh, uh, shenanigans that uh, voters- Oh yeah, okay, here's what they're doing. They're putting, Trump is calling for 50,000 volunteers. Basically it's a, it's a vigilante force. And we know what they're doing. They're harassing, the, the plan is to do what the old white citizens council used to do. Especially you mean, William Rehnquist did that, right? Yeah, that's right. And he became, you know, he was punished. He went to prison for violating civil rights, uh, voting rights law. Oh, no, he didn't. He became justice of the, chief justice of the, of the Supreme Court. Right. Uh, that's what happens when you- uh, so, But that, yeah. that, that's the thing, Greg, because uh, we only got about five minutes left. Cause this is part one of a two-part interview with you because uh, I can't get it all in, in one. All right. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to cut this off in a few minutes, but I'm uh, going to- uh, the Supreme Court here, uh, what's your feeling about how they are going to respond to lawsuits prior to the election? Oh, uh, boy. You've asked the, the, this frightening question. What are the Supremes doing when they uh, change their white hoods for black robes, the Kavanaugh Court? Um, and okay, Gorsuch, let me give you one, one, a case from two weeks ago. It was insane. Just so you know that in, to mail in your vote in Alabama, where Doug Jones is fighting for his life, the Democrat, to keep his Senate seat. And the only way he can keep his Senate seat is if they can, is through mail-in balloting. I mean, otherwise people are gonna die if they vote. You have to mail in or die. But in Alabama, you have to notarize your ballot. Like that, Randy, you have to notarize your ballot. And if you don't notarize your ballot, where, by the way, where do you find the notary during the lockdown? Um, not only that, you have to know that's a poll tax too. You're 15 bucks to, to vote is what it comes down to. Or, yes. you can, yeah. And so it's the Supreme back Court. back to 1940, 1950. That's right. Missouri, the same. You have to notarize your ballot. Now. If you do what? If you do a provisional ballot or a mail-in ballot? If you do a mail-in ballot, you have to notarize the mail-in ballot. You have to notarize it. 
Okay. How do you mean you have to notarize it? You have to go to the post office and they stamp it? No, no, no. You have to go to a notary public. And usually that means going to a bank or an accountant's office. You have to go to a notary public and pay them, you know, 10 to $20 to notarize. Let me ask you this, Greg. Are people who pass these laws, is it because they fear that there'll be um, fraud in in these uh, mail-in ballots? Or is it because it's the only way they can fucking win? Uh, It's B, the only way they can effing win. There right, I'm sorry. We're going to edit my fucking out of it. All right. Cause I <laughs> never I, use it, but you got me so angry right now. That's the first thank time you. Would you I think in 33 episodes where I use the F bomb. Okay. Now let me think about this. Think about this, Randy. Okay. A federal judge said, are you crazy telling people to find a notary? And by the way, if a million people voters in, in uh, Alabama want to vote by mail and that's what they expect, no notary can notarize more than 20. So you're going to need 50,000 notaries. We're going to have to ship notaries to Alabama so people can vote. So a federal judge said, this is insane. There aren't even enough notaries in Alabama to let people vote. So, and they're going to be in danger. You can't endanger people's lives to, to get a notarization. So the judge, a federal judge said, this violates the federal law and the constitution. And you can't do this. But the Supremes, then it went right, an emergency review by the uh, Kavanaugh court, 5-4, saying, Alabama can make you paint your face blue in order to vote. You can, you can bleed, you can die, but you've got to follow their rules. That's Alabama. Same at Missouri. Now, that's states' rights, then. That's, I guess that's the original intent of the Constitution. Is that it? To shaft you out of your vote. Now, here's the thing. And think about, well, let's well, way think, back when that constitution was written, there wasn't individual voting. It was by no, property. No, no, we, we didn't, right. We didn't have individual voting. And that's one of the things we've made tremendous. Look, they can't steal all the votes all the time. That's how Obama won. He overcame the theft. In, in my last book, Billionaires and Ballot Bandits, we calculated a 5.9 million vote steal against by the Republicans, against Obama, he just overwhelmed it. They can't steal all the votes all the time. Wisconsin, which is one of the most vicious states, talk about a Jim Crow state. Those cheese eaters have the worst Jim Crow operatives in America. Scott Walker was the governor. You have a GOP legislature. You know what they they did two weeks before the election? You were asking about the uh, 2016 Two weeks before the 2016 election, the courts impose a Republican rule that you have to have a state photo ID to vote. Okay, well, 182,000 Wisconsin, University of Wisconsin students have photo state student IDs, but they won't let them use the student ID. You can use your state gun license, you can use your hunting license, but you can't use your student ID. You have to go to the Dean of Students and get a special ID. So they disenfranchised 182,000 University of Wisconsin students two weeks before the election. Now, well, they can now vote if they go to the Dean of Students office, get the new ID, but that's not good enough, Randy. Are you ready Why for this? You put so many hurdles there. It, this oh, is no, 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 I'm not going to you interrupt you. trying to perfect no, no, no. democracy. You don't even know the hurdles. You're a student. You've now gone to the Dean of Students office, uh, which by the way is closed right now because of COVID. But let's say it opens up and you get your new ID. Great. 
you're going to mail in your ballots so you don't die or because you've gone home. They've closed the school so, the, so students have gone home. So you're going to have to mail in your ballot. But guess what? And you've got the ID. You're so proud of yourself. But now you've got to make a photocopy of that ID included in the mail-in ballot. And guess what? You have to have a letter from the school that you are enrolled and in good standing. And you have to put that in the mail-in ballot. Now, what does flunking algebra have to do with your right to vote for president? They, and, and by the way, you think that's not it, Randy. And once you put those two, three pieces of paper in that envelope, you better add a stamp because now you've gone over the one ounce limit or you will be one of the 100,000 voters whose ballots were lost for postage due. All right. Hey, Greg, look, you're depressing me. So I'm going to have to bring this to an end. Uh, not really. I, I know we're going to get to, we are going to get to the solution, Greg. This is part one. We're going to get to the solution in our next interview. I just did a four-part series on Thomas Paine, all right? With a, a professor. I've got a, a, professor. Pic I got a picture of him on my door now. Well, everybody, well, you should see the four-part series I just did yeah, with a guy who wrote the book, The Promise of America, Thomas Paine, Norman uh, Norman, or not Norman, but Harvey K. from the University of Wisconsin at Green Bay. So we just did a four-part series, and the greatest journalist, as far as I'm concerned, uh, ever. He was a whistleblower and a revolutionary journalist. And just uh, let's just cap this off, since this is Assange Countdown to Freedom. Um, just a, a little postscript. Uh, on your thoughts about Julian, uh, and do, do your, um, uh, your Andy Rooney, like a one minute uh, closing on it. Okay. It's, it's really huh? simple. It's really simple. I don't care what, you know, all this stuff about Julian Assange and, his, and how you feel about him personally. I don't care. He is a journalist and most important, a good journalist is a conduit of the truth. And he showed us the truth. He didn't, it's not about his opinions. It's not, and, and I don't care where he gets his documents or whatever. The important thing, can we handle the truth? That's the real issue. Assange has given us the truth. The issue is how are we gonna deal with the truth? Not how are we going to punish Assange for telling us the truth? It is madness and it threatens, I'm telling you, it threatens every journalist, this charge of espionage against a working journalist who did nothing but show us the documents. He didn't cash in on it. He didn't, it, it, this is ridiculous. He only did it for one purpose. You know, he could, have, he could have sold it to Putin, okay? Instead, and made a killing, right? Instead, he did something else. He gave it to the American public and says, these are your documents of your government. Now you decide. You decide if they're telling you the truth. So what he has done, and, and I'm, I'm very concerned because if you can char file a claim against a journalist for reporting the truth, and no one's claiming that these documents are fabricated. No one's claiming that they're made up. These are the real thing. So if you can be charged for telling the truth, every journalist is in danger. And I've been ashamed of some of my fellow journalists, ashamed, that some of them are saying, oh, we look, you know, that we actually have, there were some Times reporters who got prizes for repeating Julian Assange's story and taking his information, who are applauding him going to prison. What the hell is that? I can tell you, by the way, anyone listening to me, if you're a source of mine or you're a new service providing me information, I will not rat you out and I will certainly not applaud 
one of my news sources or a news service reporter I'm working with going to prison for helping me with a story and say, oh yeah, send him to prison, but give me the Pulitzer Prize. Screw that. Wow. Great. Get the yeah. book. Those are really, uh, I'm glad you said that. And you gave us uh, some thoughts here that I don't get uh, that often uh, different uh, angles to, to the overall perception of Julian Assange, whether you like him or you don't like him, the most important thing, and I know people don't like him for whatever reason, but I don't like, I don't like Fox reporters, but I don't want to see them go to jail either, right? Right. All right. So our Breibart uh, reporters, I don't want to see anybody go to jail. I mean, he's a journalist, and uh, look, I've already said this a million times. I'm not going to say it again. My thoughts, everyone knows. That's why I've done a 34, 34 of these so far this year alone. And Greg Palace, we're going to have you back because we really only got through about one half of what I wanted to talk to you about. So you'll come back on my... Randy, uh, when does this go out? It's going to be out tomorrow. Okay, so, okay. Therefore, I want to offer something for Randy folk, okay? If I want you, if you can get How Trump Stole 2020 this week, which means Friday or Saturday, get it this week. We have not yet released the audiobook, so therefore I still own it. So guess what I'm going to do? If you're a Randy Credico listener, you get the book, send me like a screenshot or a, or a you know, photo of, of a receipt or the book copy, book jacket or something like that. I will send you and say that you saw me on Randy Credico. Go to audiobook at gregpalace.com. Audiobook at gregpalace.com. I will send you the audiobook for free. I can do it today and tomorrow, uh, that is Friday and Saturday. But after that, I may not own the book at that point. And then it's, you got to buy it retail for 20 bucks or the, uh, the audio book, but I'll give you the audio book. All right. Great. And, Greg. I, we're going to keep it at that so we can get this up tonight. All right. Uh, Greg Palace, we'll talk link. to you soon, Greg, keep up the good work and we'll do part two in the next couple of days. Okay. You got me. All right. Thanks. Randy. Greg Palace. We'll be right back after uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash and Young. Uh, this is Chicago, folks. CSNY. So your brother's bound and gagged, and they've chained him to a chair. Won't you please come to Chicago just to sing? In a land that's known as freedom, how can such a thing be fair? Please come to Chicago for the help that we can bring. We can change the world. We are ready to the world. It's dying to get better. Politicians in
Chicago. Love that tune, and I remember that uh, era so well. Um, I'm Randy Credico, Randy Credico Live on the Fly, uh, Assange Countdown to Freedom. I want to thank my special guest, Greg Palace. Uh, we will have him back on for part two because just we have so much more to cover, and uh, he really does such a tremendous job. And he's really focused and uh, dedicated to his work, and it's a good thing to see. Um, we will be continuing this show, Assange Countdown to Freedom. This is, like I said, 34 now. Uh, and uh, right through the uh, next hearing, uh, somewhere in London, yet to be determined. But I, I, I'm going to be honest, you know, we, are, we can't even cover our bills right now. And I am uh, not, not, not a well-to-do person. I can assure you of that. I'm an activist all my life, a, a political uh, activist. And, uh, you know, I ran, a, I ran a civil rights group for, for 20 years. And, you know, I'm a good activist and a good organizer and a good director uh, of, a, of, a, of a nonprofit that I ran for many years, but a terrible fundraiser. But look, I'm just saying, if you want to support this show, if you want to see this kind of programming going through and after dedicated to Julian Assange, uh, then please go to our website and then go to the menu and go to support and just throw in a little bit just so we can cover our bills. That's it. And I want to thank Kelly Lane down in North Carolina who does the editing and the engineering. I want to thank Sarah and Emily Kunstler who um, uh, run the website and Margaret Ratner Kunstler who gets involved in a lot of the uh, ideas and and it gets me a lot of guests and uh, writes the descriptions and things like that. So uh, once again, Assange Countdown to Freedom.com. Uh, we are now gonna play something that we've played in the past. And this is um, our a tribute or our memorial to those who have uh, been victims of a very, very racist criminal justice system. It's always been bad in this country. Uh, not, it's not something recent. And this is, this is um, the great, great, great Billie Holiday uh, and uh, a uh, great tune, a great tune, I don't know, a very moving tune called Strange Fruit, uh, written by Manny Maribel. All right, thank you very much. And um, that's it. See you soon. With what has happened, the last two centuries, uh, African-Americans gunned down by law enforcement, enslaved, uh, put to work, uh, convict leasing, put in jail with the drug war. But in the last week, it's really heated up and it's got to stop. Southern trees bear strange fruit. Blood on leaves and blood at the root. Black bodies swinging 
in the southern breeze strange fruit hanging from the poplar trees Bitter, 